Welcome to Our Creator Calls, where we seek truth together. Have you ever heard the term hidden in plain sight? It refers to something that is seemingly hidden, but actually isn't hidden and is easy to find. Truth is like that. It's not hidden and it's easy to find, but you have to intentionally seek to find it. Jesus said, keep on seeking and you will find. So what prevents someone from seeking truth? It could be they don't really want to know. Once you find out something, it can cause a major paradigm shift in your thinking. When I accepted that Jesus is a source of truth that I'd been seeking for many years, it radically changed my understanding of the world we live in. It was like a veil came off my eyes. The influence of dark spiritual forces that control our world was no longer hidden. I could see signs of it everywhere. Gloria Lorenson went through a similar experience back in 1995 as a delegate at the World Conference on Women in Beijing. At that conference, almost 30 years ago, Gloria's eyes were forever opened to elite plans designed to seriously reduce the human population around the world. As Gloria will share with us today, those plans are now coming to fruition in our day. A voice, a voice calling in your wilderness. Hello, Gloria. You are my first interview on Our Creator Calls. I am so happy to have you here with us, and I'm really excited to hear what you have to share with us today. I really know that this is going to be something that people who are Christians and people who aren't both need to hear so can you tell us a little bit about your journey, first of all, of how you got to where you are today? Sure. Thanks, Gaetan, for having me. And um, well, it's been uh, quite the journey, I have to say. Um, I guess I'll just start with in the late 80s, 90s, um, I got very involved in the pro-family, pro-life movement in Ontario. And um my eyes were absolutely opened to uh, the evil of abortion. And more than that, how much the father's heart was broken over the fact that we kill our unborn children which in the womb, which is supposed to be the safest place. Um, and we kept on, you know, working so hard to educate people to understand the reality of abortion, the fact that it does take a human life, a beat, it stops a beating heart, um, that the child is not part of the mother's body, et cetera, that it's a separate human being, et cetera. And we just felt like we were banging our heads against um, a proverbial wall. And someone suggested that the agenda that we were seeing in the uh, 80s and 90s was coming from on high, a higher place than just the Canadian government. And so we began to, um, we were already non-governmental organizations. And we said, why don't we just use the framework that we already have in place and let's go to the United Nations and see where this push is coming from for abortion on demand from uh, conception until birth. And so myself, I never intended to go to the Beijing conference on women in China, but I was 
open to whatever God had for me. And so when I got the phone call saying, you know, would you like to be a delegate at the United Nations conference? Um, I said, yes. And so off I went really naive about how these things work. And what I discovered is that the platform um, that they had there was not about, it was called the Re women's reproductive rights. It was not about the right to reproduce, but in fact, it was about how the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund were going to chastise financially any country that did not bring in abortion on demand. That's why they had it in China, because they really admired the Chinese one-child policy, etc. And as uh, I began to understand more about what was driving this, you know, in Canada, it's it was well over 100,000 unborn children every year that died by abortion. And as I began to understand more and more about it, I realized really that this was a satanic agenda. And I went to a conference that was um, the World Health Organization uh, Deputy uh, Assistant General uh, of the World Health Organization, Dr. Cheng Li at that time. He was holding a uh, seminar on population. And in that seminar, he said right out clearly, we're going to use a three-pronged attack to bring down the population of the earth, abortion on demand, vaccination, and sterilization agents in the water. And they went into more detail about how they were going to do that. So what do you say to people who have no idea what you're talking about and cannot even imagine that their governments would be involved in something like sterilization and vaccination to stem the population, much less abortion? What do you say to them? Because still today, that was what, in 1995? So fast forward, we're almost... 30 years now from when you're talking about, and people still have no idea, most people. That's true, Gaytan. It was, in 1995, a conspiracy theory. Um, but I think that the last 30 years have shown us that it definitely is not. It's, it's come out. It's in the open now. We have seen the programs, for instance, that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have undertaken in Africa and India where um, young women have been sterilized by the thousands. We see that uh, there is fluoride in our water and that fluoride is a anti-fertility chemical. And we see the dropping fertility rates around the world. Canada has actually been below replacement level for the last 25 years. The only reason that we're maintaining our population at all is because of immigration. And so I would say, um, please open your eyes, do your research. I'm going to be providing a, um, a summary of this interview with uh, links to everything that I say, uh, the factual links so that people can look back and say, okay, there it is. And so you're saying then that this narrative that we've been hearing for the last three years was something that was uh, talked about back in 1995? That's exactly what I'm saying. And that's why in January of 2020, when I'm going to call it the pandemic because it was planned um, ahead of time, it was planned in 2019. Um, when it came out, I knew immediately um, 
that this was the vaccination agenda. My daughter had also warned me because she had gotten very involved after her um, daughter had a bad reaction to um, a childhood vaccine. She had gotten very involved in trying to understand what the mechanism of action was with vaccines. And so she told me, she said, mom, next year, within the next year or next couple of years, they're going to they have an agenda that they want to vaccinate every single man, woman and child on the planet. And I said to her, oh, honey, really? Um, how would they do that? How would they get grown adults, many of whom haven't been vaccinated in 30 years? How are they going to get us to roll up our sleeves? Well, we saw uh, it was a massive psyop. It was um, every type of psychological fear mongering and manipulation um, that you can imagine. And we actually now have the National Citizens Inquiry that's happening um, here in Canada. And, and all of the experts are coming and speaking before that inquiry. And there's an amazing um, journalist who gives a one hour presentation on the propaganda that was rolled out um, during COVID. For myself, I saw it so clearly when I was, I was in Florida with my fiance at the time, driving back to Ontario, uh, every few hundred feet, there was a uh, sign flashing, stay home, save lives. Every few hundred feet, Gaetan, and I said, don't you see? This is so Orwellian. It's almost like they were saying, if we repeat it often enough, you will all succumb to this. And I was like, I will not succumb to this. And actually, that's the reason why um, I'm not married. I had to take his ring off my finger and, you know, and say to him that if he wanted to um, believe that we were having a, a pandemic, and totalitarian authoritarian um, mandates that would come in if he wanted to go along with that then i could not be yoked with with someone like that that must have been really really hard i can only imagine what that would have been like i i remember when this all happened and we, we've all had stories we all have stories things that we went through going back three years ago i won't get into my stories but i will say that i remember that very first day i was supposed to leave for toronto uh, with my daughter, we had to cancel our flights. And, um, I remember my husband walked out the top of the stairs and he just looked at me and he said, social experiment. And yep. I said, social experiments, exactly what this is, except it's been way beyond, I think what anybody could have imagined. I think that actually this is just my observation that the people that, you know, whether it's in Canada or Australia or New Zealand or England, especially the Commonwealth countries, I found they were very compliant and the U.S. I have asked this question and I'm still trying to find answers. Why is it that so many people that I love and care for, uh, people that are, um, you know, really devout Christians that love the truth, um, don't see this? I would say that big pharma has infiltrated our society to a level now where the church as well as the unchurched um, really truly believe that our medical system uh, cares about us, uh, loves us and wants our best interest. Um, God has allowed through sorrow in my life, he's allowed me to see that that's 
basically not the case. I'm not saying that there aren't good doctors and nurses, although many of them have left since the COVID thing has happened. But um, my husband, you know, lost his life because of um, the hospital food, which actually caused his stomach to rupture. My mother lost her life after uh, the flu vaccine brought on pneumonia for her. Um, my sister lost her life due to chemo and radiation poisoning. You know, and, and remembering that this is the same system, this medical system is the same system that has killed millions of unborn children. My eyes were open to that. And all I can say is uh, I pray that Christians would really think about what Jesus meant when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life is the way that he would have us live to run to the medical establishment for our answers. I hear so many pastors preaching that message. Don't get me wrong, you know, if you're sick, uh, you should go to your doctor. And then as a last resort, come and I'll pray for you. <laughs> that kind of theology, okay? Um, is the truth that Jesus was talking about, is it even closely represented by the propaganda that we saw roll out in 2020 and 2021? Um, and is the life that Jesus described to us, the abundant life, is it a life of lockdowns and masking and social distancing and injections that change, that lower our natural immune system, the one that God gave us, our robust long-term immunity? I have to say no. And so I would ask your um, your audience to really pray on that. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart and mind. And, and ask the Holy Spirit to show you uh, Galatians 5.20 and Revelation 18.23. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, and by pharmakia were all nations deceived. That's the Greek word pharmakia, from which we get our word pharmacy and pharmacist. And it actually means sorcery. Mm -hmm. um, and I can I could go into details about the sorcery that is uh, has been for years included in pharmaceutical drugs, how they're actually made with a little bit of uh, witchcraft, a little bit of sorcery in there. But I, I'm not sure that now is the time to go that deep. It feels like there's a spell that has come over people, that they are doing things and saying things that perhaps they wouldn't have done before. And I think a lot of that has to do with fear, the fear of the unknown, fear of mortality, whatever it is. But that sorcery that you're talking about, it is really tangible when you really think about it and when you really look for it here in this little uh town in in bc that i'm in i was at a dinner the other night and people were saying you know where's where's joe you know where's sue and people were saying well they don't come out anymore they're afraid of large gatherings they're afraid to eat food that's been prepared by anyone else other than themselves and so that spell is still over us and um, as Christ followers, we are called to be salt and light um, and to help dispel that fear. And how can we if we have that fear in our own heart? You know, I, it always just amazes me because um, 
as much as, you know, I don't have a death wish, um, I really am looking forward to going to be with Jesus. This old world doesn't hold much for me anymore. And so I really struggle with people, Christians, that um, are clinging to this life in a way that would, that they would not only themselves restrict their own lives, lock themselves down, you know, wear two masks when they're alone in the car and just hold at arm's length all of their fellow, uh, you know, humans. That's still the fear of death that's got a hold on you. And so if, if you are one of those that, you know, is still afraid to go out, you're very cautious. You're wondering, has COVID, has it morphed into uh, a different virus, etc.? I would ask you to, you know, to get prayer and to get inner healing. Um, ask the Lord to lead you to someone that can, can pray with you and can help you to overcome that. Because, you know, what a testimony that's going to be for you uh, when you're, you know, released when you're free to be able to say to your friends and neighbors and family, I used to have that fear of death, but I don't anymore. And this is how we can now live an abundant life in Jesus Christ. Amen to that. You know, I've just been, well, I just did my first, um, my first podcast, my debut. And in that I talked about my journey to actually having faith in Jesus and all my life I was searching for truth. I was searching for, for Jesus, um, that I heard about in, in church. I went to a Catholic church growing up, but there was no, it didn't seem to be real to me. And, um, I, you know, I went into all kinds of different things. Like, um, I went into looking at the supernatural, the paranormal through things like the Ouija board and all that kind of thing. And, and then tried hallucinogenic drugs. And, you know, I also then got into yoga and uh, that literally almost destroyed my life. And it's, so when I met Jesus, when I finally encountered him in 1996, it was really real. It was, everything changed. And it's been a process since then you know, to deal with the things, uh, with his help, with the, the help of his Holy Spirit, to deal with the things that were inside of me, anything, because I opened up a lot of doors to the spiritual realm that were not things that I needed to be involved in, things that were actually affecting me. And I think that that plays a part in what's happening in the lives of not only people who aren't Christians yet, but even those who are, who haven't actually dealt with things. And I also think that there's something that we really need to wake up to is that this is a spiritual battle. And I became very aware through my journey that there were real forces of darkness that were literally trying to end my life, trying to, to get me into darkness, to keep me from knowing my creator. And that's what this show is all about. What's getting in the way of people getting to know their creator. And I think that a key reason is people not really understanding that we are in a spiritual battle for every single human being made in the image of God, who he loves incredibly more than they could even know or even understand. And that that battle is waged all the time. It's like people are not aware of it. We live in this secular world or people who are spiritual are in other esoteric 
you know, ways of being the new age or whatever, where they think that they're God, which I used to think. I think that's a really key thing to realize this world, we think it's run by people, those elite people that, you know, we hear about a lot, but even they are controlled by higher powers. And I think it's really ramping up right now. Absolutely. And I'll just add to that, Gaetan, that I think so many pastors and churches and leadership don't want to talk about this because they see it as political. Let's not get into politics. We're going to leave politics out of church. And what the reality is, is that it's a spiritual battle, not a political one. And we're not talking about politics when we talk about um, the evil agenda that Satan has to destroy every man, woman, and child on this planet. And it's the same old agenda he's had from the beginning. He knows where he's going and he wants to take as many of us with him as he can. And so that's what I believe we as Christians are called to do is to pull back from the brink of death, those innocents that are being led to the slaughter. With all the work that you have done in that whole realm of abortion, there is something to be said for that power. I mean, you know, people who are involved in very dark practices, uh, whether they're Satanists, I mean, we're getting into some heavy stuff here, but there's a power that comes when you sacrifice a life, especially when it's a, an innocent life, an unborn life, or a child, or if you abuse that child, sexual abuse, I mean, there's the trafficking that's going on, pedophilia, I mean, these are all really heavy topics, and I don't think most people, including many Christians, people who say that they are followers of Christ, I don't think many people really think about these things or really want to, because it is really dark, and we don't want to be focusing on that all day long, but at the same time, we need to be aware that every time one of those acts happen, and they're happening, you know, literally every second of every day, that is giving forces of darkness power, not to be afraid of that power, because Jesus has already overcome the world, already overcome all powers of darkness. But if we are not aware of that, and if we still have one foot or all of ourselves living in the world and wanting everything from this world, then we are not going to be aware of that. And we are going to be completely, um, I guess, succumb to it. And it's going to affect us deeply. And I think that's part of what's going on. We don't want to talk about the evil, focus on the evil, give Satan, you know, any more glory. Um, however, the Lord chose us to be alive in this generation, which I believe is the last generation. I believe we are the generation of the book of Revelation. And he chose us because he wants us to be active, not passive. And this is one of the conversations that I've had with Christians, including my fiance, where they say, well, isn't the Antichrist supposed to come? You know, um, we're not supposed to fight against him. I disagree. We can delay the coming of the Antichrist. If the church was active, and I've been saying this for 30 years, if we as an entire church stood up, would stand outside the abortion clinics and not just leave three or four or five or six warriors to do the dirty work, um, then our, you know, our pro-life, pro-family friends wouldn't have spent years and years in jail. 
and and the pro-life movement wouldn't have been marginalized because as Christians, we represented at least back in the day in the 90s, we represented, you know, at least a good 20% of the population. But it's because we haven't stood up as the church that evil has encroached and encroached to now, you know, as you know, um, open satanic ritual at football games and, you know, the mutilation of children and teenagers in our hospitals with the so-called trans agenda and even the transhumanist agenda, which is part of that trans agenda, um, that is trying to convince everyone that we can augment ourselves and become as as gods which is the oldest lie that satan told in the garden um and it's because the church is not taking its rightful place i maintain that these things are happening and you know when i, I go out in the world i pay cash for everything i refuse to take part in uh the system i um I don't carry a smartphone because, you know, it's a, a tracking and tracing device, a listening device. And so I'm doing my part, what I believe the Holy Spirit has shown me to do, to hold back this evil agenda. And when you look back at, at the stories of Noah and of Lot and the, those civilizations that were destroyed, um, it was because of righteous men, you know, if the righteous men had have stood up and had of, um, you know, God said, if, there, if there's a hundred righteous men, I won't destroy. If there's 50 righteous men, I won't destroy. And so I think that that's very clearly and plainly the call that this generation of Christians are being called to. Are we going to truly live righteously or are we just going to hide out in our houses and let evil roll over us. We have to make a choice. Are we going to live for truth? Are we going to live truly and abundantly? Or are we going to live in fear? And when it comes right down to it, I think the church needs to stand up. Because you, you mentioned earlier, you said that you thought this was the last generation. And it very well could be. That book of Revelation was written for the church right back from when it was first written by Jesus. That's how I came to Christ, was through the book of Revelation. He revealed himself to me through that book. And I think he revealed himself to people, to the church, all the way through the generations. But you're right. A lot of the things that are happening now are people even, you know, 100 years ago would think that this is magic, things that are going on in our society. So this could very well be, but I think... God, it's up to God when things are going to end and when he is going to return. But I think he's calling his people to say, are you going to follow me or are you going to follow the world? Because this world has already been overcome by him. This world is already going to pass away everything in it. And anybody who is not following him, anybody who's not in the truth is going to pass away with it just like what happened in Noah's day. And that's why he said, before he returns, it'll be just like the days of Noah. I think that's why we're, we're in the, this time right now. And so are we going to be following truth and, and righteousness and being salt and light, like you said, in the world? Because that's what we were always called to be. 
instead of shrinking back and being afraid and saying, this is uh, it's inevitable, it's going to happen. Yes, it, it is because the word of God says so, but the timing is not inevitable. And I think he's calling his people because he wants anybody, he doesn't want anybody to not know him. He wants every single person to know that he is true and to have a relationship with him. And I think we are in a moment right now, I just watched that movie, um, uh, Jesus Revolution, back in the 70s. You know, I was... I was only, you know, when that, when that was all happening, I was just a little kid because I was born in 1962, you know, I probably would have been right involved in it, but it probably would have been, you know, like Greg Laurie's character, you know, I probably would have been involved in, in doing the hallucinogenic drugs, but I think I also would have been involved in that Jesus movement. That's what we need again, is we need a Jesus movement. We need the church to stand. We need people to love other people and to not say, oh, you know, you don't fit into our agenda. You don't fit into the, what, what we say we're supposed to be doing, but to say, this is the truth and, and actually really speak the truth, which is what they were doing. And that's when it happened. That's when the revolution happened. And I think that's what we need more of. Amen. And I think that the modern day I was, after I watched that movie, I was thinking, where do we find these young people? that are searching for God, because that's really what the hippie movement was. They were searching for God in all the wrong places. And I believe it's the New Agers. Most of them are awake awake and aware of this evil agenda, and they see it, and they are ripe for the harvest. They are asking me, I have friends uh, in Princeton who ask me, if um, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, why are Christians closing their churches and opening them up as vaccine clinics. Why are Christians lining up to get the injection, etc.? They want to know. It's a, it's an honest question, and um, and that's another reason why it's so important. And maybe that's the main reason why it's so important that we as Christ followers know the truth and live by the truth. So yeah, it's um it's fascinating, and I would love to see uh, the Jesus Revolution um, break out all over again. Um, I would like to just talk for a minute about um, back in the 90s after I heard that um, pronouncement from the World Health Organization that they were going to use those three-pronged attack to um, bring down the population of the earth, um, I started to really pray in earnest and ask the Lord, okay, there's no political solution to this. This is an agenda that they had already been planning for a long time and then that they um, continued after 1995 to put into place through uh, the UN uh, Sustainable Development Goals for uh, Agenda 21, which then morphed into Agenda 2030. And I felt like the Lord told me that the only way through was for Christians to form sustainable communities um, where they could actually be independent from the beast system. There's another thing that most Christians don't know. They don't understand that the system under which we live now, so when we talk about governments doing things to harm us, they are just puppets. Our, Our national governments are basically puppets answering to a higher elite, and their agenda is the sustainable Uh, 2030. And so to disconnect from the system, the beast system that holds us in its control, 
And the way to do that is to have control over our own food, our own water, our own heat, uh, etc. And so um, I went out in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s and visited uh, 49 intentional communities around Canada, North America, um, and the world, and really started to look at what could work. So when you went on this journey to try and find community, where did that lead you and, and where has it brought you now? I think I was probably, you know, a little bit ahead of my time, Gaetan, because uh, I tried in, uh, you know, 2010, between 2010 and 2015 to form uh, an intentional Christian community in Ontario and people just weren't ready for it. There's just no way they were ready for it. So I found myself in Northern Ontario in January in a home that only had a wood stove and a single woman out there. <laughs> um, and I mean, it was, it was cold. It was very cold and it was very alone. And um, I, I, I quickly discovered that that's not uh, how I wanted to live. Um, and so I just continued to uh, stay in contact with the one Christian community that I really had. Um, I loved their governance model. I loved their methodology. Um, that's the Bruderhof. And they have many um, videos on YouTube if people are interested to watch them. Their community was formed uh, prior to World War II when they saw the same kind of tyranny, the same kind of totalitarianism in their country that we're seeing here in Canada. And they decided uh, that they needed to form community at that time and they survived World War II. So when the whole pandemic happened, um, I pretty quickly realized that Ontario was not going to be a place for me. There were, the mandates were just absolutely ridiculous. I had neighbors that were keeping tabs on me um, and you know, gonna call the snitch line and so um, I put my little condo uh, on the beach up for sale and just followed the voice of the Holy Spirit and everything sold. And I, I found the perfect RV, me who has never driven an RV and doesn't know, you know, it doesn't have any mechanical talents whatsoever. And the Lord just led me right to the perfect RV. And I drove, um, in June across the country through these closed borders, which were not closed, right? Uh, it was just, again, just more of that fear-based propaganda that they put out there to try to keep us all in place. And uh, I landed in Kelowna on Canada Day. You know, didn't plan it that way, but how perfect was that? And I met up with uh, the Freedom Fighters in British Columbia and I began to just form uh, friendships and relationships with people. And the Lord took me on a, uh, an incredible journey without a GPS or a smartphone um, down to the Southern part of BC, along a country road, you know, to a point at which I was actually quite worried for my safety. Cause I thought I am so far in the middle of the mountains here. If anything happened, no one would find me. You know what I mean? And um, he led me right to uh, a homestead of a Christian couple who had come out of the city five years earlier. God had called them out and said to them, uh, if you will sell your beautiful home and get rid of all your stuff 
and move out here to the homestead and do what I tell you to do, you will be responsible for saving many, many lives. The only way we're going to be able to say no to the mark of the beast is to say, we don't need your um, diseased poultry. You know, we don't need your pesticide sprayed, um, you know, veggies and fruits. We are growing our own. And so in the meeting of that couple, they expressed that there was a rumor that that very close to them was a 220 acre property um, that had housing for 50 people and was completely um, able to be off grid and had orchards and gardens and um, a river running through it and just a completely sustainable community. And so I thought, well, who am I? Like, I'm just a little widow, right, from Ontario. I really didn't have a lot of money. I had my life savings. But I knew that I needed other people that had the same dream, and God brought those people. And so we we did end up, I think, in a supernatural way, purchasing this incredible property. Um, you know, 10 strangers moved in together. <laughs> Looking back was, you know, Maybe not the smartest thing. Um, and, you know, now this property is on the market because we haven't been able to make the finances work. Um, but I believe that God has uh, Christians out there, maybe even Christians watching this right now, who have that same vision and um, who can who could take over that property and make it work. And I'm happy to help. In any way I can. I just want to say one more thing, and that is that the pandemic was just one part of the agenda. The agenda is continuing to roll out. We're seeing central bank digital currencies coming in. We're seeing digital ID for every man, woman, and child coming in. And really, it's going to be a matter of necessity. Um, it's not going to be an option uh, for us to form communities, whether it's just you and a few neighbors in your neighborhood and your growing your own food or whether it's an actual separate community. But the old normal is never coming back, or I'll say the old abnormal is never coming back. And um, we need to accept that as Christ followers and realize that persecution of Christians is coming. Actually, it's already here. And get active in whatever way you feel the Holy Spirit is calling you to get active, whether it's to form community, just speak the truth um, in love to the people around you because there's a plan for another pandemic. They're already talking about it. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about community and yet this whole agenda, if you want to call it that, has been to separate people, to divide people, to make people suspicious of one another. It's almost the, well, it is the exact opposite of what we need to be doing now in terms of, of communicating and loving one another and listening to one another. Because even if I don't agree with somebody about something, I need to listen to them because they can teach me something that I might not know otherwise. And I think that's part of it as well, to try and separate people so that we're not listening to what we need to hear. I couldn't agree with you more, Gaetan. I pray that we can have another conversation about the things that are near and dear to both of our hearts and hopefully be some small change that we want to see in the world. That would be a good place to sign this off. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you, Gloria. You know, it's been 
we've covered a lot of heavy topics and we've just covered the surface of all of them. We could have done a whole interview on every single topic that we brought up during this interview, but I'm so thankful for you and for the voice that you are to try and educate and wake people up because of your past experience that you've had and what you've heard with your own ears going back 30 years. So as we end off here, Father, I just thank you for Gloria. I thank you for her willingness to share her heart and her story. I know it's been a very difficult journey for her. Help us all to really seek your truth, to really seek what's going on, to not have blinders on. Help us to be courageous because being brave doesn't mean that we don't have any fear, but it does mean that we do what's right, even despite any fear that we might have. I just thank you for this opportunity. And I ask that you would help each and every one of us for Gloria, for myself, and for any one of us that's listening to this interview to be who you've designed us to be in this day at this time so that we can all truly get to know one another more and not fall into that that agenda of being separate, divide and conquer, all of that. Instead, that we would act against that and be who you've made us to be with love, with truth, with compassion for one another in the days to come. We just ask this in the name of Jesus. And I pray for Gaetan, Lord, um, that as she activates this podcast, which you've put as a dream in her heart for many, many years, and you love it, Lord, you love it when we overcome the obstacles. And maybe it's a journey that's years in the making, but we just keep fighting. We keep our eye on the prize. And so I just pray a special blessing upon Gaetan and John. I pray for protection over their equipment, uh, that no evil spirits will be able to interfere in their podcasts, Jesus. And I pray for the finances necessary to have the equipment that works and that um, can really preach the gospel in a in a really unique way that only Gaetan can, you know, can do with you as her her guide and her savior we all have a separate voice we all have an individual unique purpose every single one of us can all you can only do what you can do and i can only do what i can do absolutely each person individual so i hope that you will do what god's calling you to do thanks for joining me this week to seek truth together our Creator Yahweh has always wanted human beings to be a family and to spread His love, life, and truth throughout the earth. After He created Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, He only set one boundary. They needed to trust Him about what is good and what is evil. Yahweh wanted to protect His new human family from believing lies that would lead them into bondage and cause a separation between them. Our Creator is the only omniscient one, able to truly discern what's good from what's evil. 
He warned Adam and Eve that if they disobeyed and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would surely die because in so doing they would separate themselves from his holy presence, the source of eternal life. Sadly, instead of believing the truth, the first human beings chose to believe a lie. Adam and Eve were seduced by the serpent who promised they could be like gods and have hidden knowledge if they ate from the forbidden tree. By making that choice, they lost the authority that Yahweh had given them to steward the earth as his representatives. Just as he had warned, the consequence of their sin was death because they were no longer connected to the source of eternal life. Yahweh knew from the very beginning, though, that human beings would choose to go our own way, and he's always had a way for us to come back into relationship with him. Our Most High and Almighty Creator loved us so much that He allowed His eternal Holy Spirit to be incarnated into a physical human body of flesh and bone. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is Yahweh's only begotten Son, God with us. The Hebrew name for Jesus is Yeshua, which means Yahweh's salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus was tempted and had the same freedom to disobey our Father in heaven that we all have, yet he never sinned. He allowed himself to be crucified as a perfect sacrifice because he's the only one who could reconnect us to the source of eternal life. John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now through Jesus, every single human being can have a personal relationship with our loving Creator Yahweh and not die because Jesus covers us with His perfect righteousness. That's why He said, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but through me. All we have to do is believe the truth and choose to receive Jesus as our Savior. When I accepted that Jesus is the truth that I had been seeking and the only way to eternal life, I was forever changed. In that moment, Jesus rescued me out of the kingdom of darkness and delivered me into his kingdom of glorious light. He truly set this captive free. So what about you? Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. When you're ready to receive Jesus as your Savior, just talk to him. He's waiting for you with open arms. You can pray to him something like this. Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Our Creator calls. Are you listening? There is one love. One truth, one way to know when you turn to the sun.
all darkness must go. A voice, a voice calling in your wilderness.